The car's on fire, and there's no driver at the wheel. This is the character generation. I'm Chet. And this is a podcast where we go through an RPG source book and try and build a stupid character out of it. And since this is the first episode of the podcast, we figure we should probably nail down what exactly our experience are with tabletop gaming. So, how about you? Because I just talked. Ah. <laughs> Hi, Chet. Hello. How you doing, Chet? I'm good. Alright. I don't have a lot of experience uh, doing anything on the internet. We're two internet nobodies. True. I have played tabletop games for a good portion of my life, a little over half my life Somewhere? at this point. Yeah. Mostly D&D 3.5e. I've never had a consistent group, unfortunately, but yeah. I've played, I can't even count how many different sessions I've played mm-hmm. with just various people. Uh, my favorite aspect has always been character creation. It's kind of why we decided to do this podcast. Yeah. How about We're you? Ideologically bankrupt. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's basically the same for me. Like, I've spent a little bit more time playing in shitty IRC chat room <laughs> RPG games, which is always a bad idea. Never do that. <laughs> and honestly, our big difference is I am what's apparently referred to as a story gaming swine, at least according to the luminaries of the OSR community. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm more into the whole more narratively focused end of RPGs. So this will be interesting, because today we're doing D&D 5th Edition, the core book. <laughs> yeah, our, our first couple episodes we decided to start with something that's pretty commonly known at this point. I think 5th Edition is by far the most popular edition of I mean, these D&D. days, yeah. Yeah, especially, you know. It hasn't exactly had a 10-year lifespan yet, but we'll see. Yeah, for sure. It's um, also the first one to get a lot of, like, widespread appeal, it seems like. Yeah, Because everyone knows what D&D is, but no one really gives a shit outside <laughs> of the community, as far as I can tell. It's definitely hit the mainstream, I think. Thanks to uh, a lot of real, like, mainstream nerd culture people, like... Matt Mercer it. with the Critical Role, they yeah. all do 5th Edition, I believe. I'm, it, I'm not familiar with all of the different ones that use 5th Edition. I know, like, the Adventure Zone definitely right, right. uses 5th Edition. Yeah. It's the most common one you see in pop culture depictions of D&D at this point. So yeah, that's what we're starting with, just to get a good jumping off point. I think in the future we might dive into more goofy stuff, like you can do a lot with Shadowrun, that's one that I'm really wanting to do. Oh god, that's gonna be a nightmare, uh, <laughs> so I do it. Uh, 13th Age, Glorantha, is one that I have the... I'm excited to make a troll that levels up by becoming another troll that eats the first troll. <laughs> cool. I guess, I guess at this point we should say that this is uh, not a family-friendly podcast and there will be swearing. <laughs> yeah, no, this but... This is also not a Christian Bible study podcast, just gonna put that out there. Oh, shit, I'm at the wrong podcast. <laughs> uh, Sorry, I lapsed into another podcast. <laughs> yeah, so there's, there's a few things that I want to do. I could see us diving into some homebrew stuff at some point. Oh my just god. Just digging into some goofy fucking homebrew. Oh, I've still got a copy of the old Final Fantasy Returners RPG. Ooh. Ooh, oh god, yeah. that's such a piece of shit. I'm excited for that one. There's a lot of potential for just really off-the-wall stuff we could do in future episodes. I want to see what we can do with like a really rigid, structured thing like D&D 5e. Oh, I say rigid, structured, loosely. Like, yeah. It's... Certainly not fourth edition. But. It's not fourth edition. I would never. I, I couldn't touch fourth edition with a ten foot pole with this podcast because <laughs> neither of us are. Um, how you say power gamers? Is that? Mm, I'd say <laughs> so, yeah. 
fourth edition plays very seamlessly and everything once you have everything set up, but it takes four fucking hours to make a character. Yeah. It's not super interesting to listen to, so like... No. No, it is not. <laughs> the other thing is, we won't be going too deep into, like, rolling up stats for the characters in this. This is more of come up with, like, a backstory and race mm-hmm. uh, class sort of stuff for a character. I'm sure if you, well, you guys want, we can, like, open up a character generator and bash out a sheet or something at some point, but A, that's not exactly good radio, and B, one of the main issues with every single version of D&D is character generation isn't exactly the final step. Building your character keeps taking place after the game oh, begins. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's Like, there's... if you ever played D20 Modern, that was the entire thing there, where you had to take individual levels of I want to be a level 3 charismatic hero with two more levels of tough, <laughs> then I can jump into this initial prestige class, and from there I can take it to a secondary one. Yeah. Um, I guess one thing I should ask you, Moth, before we start is, do we want to make our characters with the assumption of we're making a first level character, or do we want to, like, if we find a spell that's really just kind of silly, assume that we're making a character for, like, a higher level campaign? I feel like that might be the best way to do it, because first level D&D is always bad. Oh, it's so boring. Yeah, especially <laughs> if we're looking into, like, spell lists, which obviously we are. This is Dungeons & Dragons. That... Why are you not playing a spellcaster, you fucking fool? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's fair enough. I was looking through some of the, the skills and feats that are available, and none of them really were as interesting or fun as yeah. some of the spells. Oh, so you don't want to try and look into the grappling rules? 5e doesn't have bad grappling rules, it's just a strength contest. Oh, that's 3.5. Which page of the rule set would you like to read first? Okay, I'm going to first need to take the improved unarmed combat and improved grappling feats <laughs> so that someone can't take an attack of opportunity when I try and oh, grapple them and every single I'm getting thereafter. getting flashbacks. No, please stop. <laughs> I don't know. Fucking Tui was my favorite because that was essentially bolted on from what looks like an entirely separate game <laughs> where your natural role on your attack chooses what move you decide to do, mm. which meant that if you were good at rolling, you just did nothing but haymakers. <laughs> So you also couldn't choose to, like, wrap somebody up or try and knock them out. You just had to hope you rolled the right number, and also it hit on top of that. Uh, that sounds like 2nd edition, doing a lot of reading yeah. tables. <laughs> um. Oh my god. The thing is, you've never played Rifts. Oh my dude, we've got some opportunities there. Oh boy. <laughs> so yeah, I think we should probably just yeah. dive right into it, yeah? Let's hop in. So I guess I'll just pick a spell from my list that I've compiled of goofy things. Um, yeah, you knocked out a bunch of these, so let's well, take a look at some of the stuff we've got available to us. Yeah. Now, so, I've never actually played in 5th edition, so I need you to clarify something for me real okay, fast. Okay, go for it. Is this a shared spell list for all classes, and then certain yes. classes get spells out of it specifically? Yeah. Different classes get access to different schools, for the most part. Uh-huh. Uh, there's above here a list of all the spells that like certain classes get. I think Wizard gets some evocation that Warlock might not get. I don't remember specifically, because I am playing a rogue in my 5th edition campaign. <laughs> you fool. Uh, and I haven't gotten to a point where I can become an arcane trickster and grab my spells yet, so I haven't delved too deep and too greedily. And that's what I mean by uh, first level campaigns not being very good. Exactly. No offense to Riften. I'm sure <laughs> the game is great. <laughs> so, the first spell I have picked out here mm-hmm. is one named Arms of Hadar. Arms of Hadar has a range of 10 feet radius on yourself. It's an instantaneous you invoke the power of Hadar, the Dark Hunger. Now, you mentioned that this is a self-range spell. That We'll come back to that later. <laughs> 
You invoke the power of Hadar, the Dark Hunger. Tender tendrils, mm, rather. Tender tendrils. That's tender tendrils <laughs> of dark energy erupt from you and batter all creatures within ten feet of you. Uh-huh. Each creature makes a strength saving throw, and they take necrotic damage mm. and can't take reactions until its next turn. Huh. So basically, the spell... So basically, you push everybody over. You just grow giant black tentacles off of you, <laughs> and you beat people with them. Uh-huh. This is a first-level spell, mind you. Mm, I mean, it doesn't do a lot of damage, but... 2d6 damage, it, for, once again, mm-hmm. a first-level spell is, is nothing to sneeze at. Right. But more importantly, you just grow a bunch of tentacles off you mm-hmm. and hit everything within 10 feet. The one disappointing thing here is that the saving throw against it, if you succeed succeed doesn't cause you to lose all of your reactions still because <laughs> that's always the best part of these is anything that happens even if you fuck up on it that's a good point if they successfully save they just take 1d6 damage and right. nothing else happens and if you use it with a higher level spell slot it's oh. a scaling damage spell so like honestly it seems like a good spell i just can't get over how goofy of just a prospect <laughs> just growing tentacles of dark energy is things that, that come to mind with arms of hadar it's obviously something that you play on like a warlock there's other spells of hadar there's the hunger of hadar which you open a gateway to the dark between the stars a region infested with unknown horrors a 20-foot radius sphere of blackness and bitter cold appears centers on a point with range and lasting for the duration this void is filled with a cacophony of soft whispers and slurping noises that can be heard up to 30 feet away. No light, magical or otherwise, can illuminate the area, and creatures fully within the area are blinded. Uh, the void creates a warp in the fabric of space, and the area is difficult to rain. Any creature that starts its turn in this area takes 2d6 cold damage. Creature ends its turn in the area, needs to make a dexterity saving throw, or take 2d6 acid damage, as milky, otherworldly tentacles rub against it. <laughs> Once again, I really like the idea of just a character that's really into tentacles. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there's a lot of options with Hadar. Now, what's <laughs> interesting me here is this seems... Hmm. <laughs> well, there's the obvious implications, but on top of that, I want to talk about the combination of that and another spell that I see on the same page here, Hold Person. Hold Person, you say? Yeah. The interesting thing with Hold Person, of course, is the fact that Assuming whoever you hit with it isn't making your wisdom saving throws, it'll just keep them locked down, perhaps, inside your hunger of Hadar for the entire duration of the spell. That seems both powerful and sensual. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, what have we got up next on the list? Up next is a spell named Blade Barrier that I found. Mm, Okay. Uh, the, The basic summation of Blade Barrier, you create a vertical wall of whirling razor sharp blades made of magical energy. This is significant less sensual. This is... I mean, mean, I'm not gonna kink shame anyone. (laughs) Maybe you just like a bunch of knives in a giant wall. Right, of course. A wall that is up to 100 feet long, 20 feet high, and 5 feet thick, in fact. Of just nothing but giant magical knives. That's pretty thick. Mm. (laughs) Mmm. It provides kind of cover, three quarters, quarters cover. To sneeze at. Yeah, what I think is not very surprising, admittedly, uh-huh. is this wall of spinning magical knives uh-huh. is in fact difficult terrain. <laughs> <laughs> now, the interesting thing to me here is. A, there are a lot of these spells that create difficult terrain, which is interesting with movement hindering effects, Mm -hmm. but B, I like the idea that you can make... Okay, so it's just a half-damage dexterity saving throw. Yeah. My question is, does this have the same feat where 
if you uh, succeed on a saving throw from a spell that you instead take no damage? Because I know that was a big thing for rogues in 3.5. I am genuinely not sure, and I don't think I mm -hmm. can answer that successfully. I mean, the main <laughs> reason I ask is because I love the idea of someone taking that and being able to just leap the fuck through this blade barrier oh, and take no damage. <laughs> Despite it being, of course, 5 feet thick, 20 feet high, whatever the fuck else. Mm -hmm. A hundred feet long. Ah, of course. That's big. That's huge, That's actually. That's a really fucking Jesus. long wall. I mean, it's a sixth level spell. Ah, fair um, enough. It seems impractical to cast indoors, but I don't think this has the old school rules of it has to fill the entire space. There is a caveat that I'm reading right now uh -huh. uh, that puts a hole in your plan, unfortunately, and I think makes it so that I don't want to make this character anymore. Go on. It requires concentration. Mm, fair point. So you can't do anything else while you're casting Yeah. You can't just straight up wall off a bunch of people with knives, but oh. you can't also fire your bow through it while right, you're of course. casting it. Now, hear me out here, though. Okay. Because what you can do is, if we scroll to the seas really fast, we can come to my favorite spell in the book so far. Oh, no. <laughs> I know exactly what you're going for. <laughs> Contingency. That's right. <laughs> Now, contingency is fun because, basically, as I've noticed in Dungeons & Dragons, all of the best spells are the ones that involve the most natural language. <laughs> okay. The further you get away from the rules effects, the more stupid shit you can do with it. That's very true. Now, contingency allows you to take any 5th level spell or fewer, and you can take that spell, any spell that can target yourself, and choose any trigger whatsoever that the spell can interpret that when that trigger occurs it'll just automatically cast that spell for you okay now the only limits on that is you can only have one contingency active at a time and it can only affect yourself even if it would okay. affect other stuff so so it's basically like uh readying an action but instead of readying an action you're readying a fucking spell an entire spell just for whatever trigger you want and I feel like at some point we're going to have to dig through here and see if there's any fun self-range spells we can mess with. <laughs> like Arms of Hadar. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Unfortunately, Contingency doesn't work with Blade Barrier for the two reasons of A, it's a 6th level spell, yeah. and B, you don't want to just cast that on yourself, and I'm going to guess. That's fair, I'm that's fair. I, one thing I did like about Blade Barrier, mm -hmm. going back just a, a hair, yeah. I realized it's there's a theme I've I guess, portrayed so far, mm -hmm. it's not the only spell that is about summoning whirling magical knives. <laughs> and that so is that... very, very true now that I think about it. Because there's, while we're in the seas, there is the spell Cloud of Daggers, which Fuck. I don't think I need to go too much in detail about what that does. Why are those separate spells? Cloud of Daggers, you just... Cloud of Daggers. You you literally just make a cloud of spinning daggers in the air, centered on a point you choose within range, and they just... Whoever's in it takes 44 slashing damage. Okay, so 4d4, like a... not the number 44. Right, right. Um, Another cool fact, anything that you can find that does a specific number of damage or other effects is going to be very good at one specific level. Really <laughs> fucking shit afterwards. But keep an eye out. So this is basically a very small scale version of Wall of... Not Wall of Knives. Uh, Blade, Blade Barrier. barrier. Yes. Blade Barrier, that one. Because um. this is just a cube five feet on each side. Now, I've got two problems with this. <laughs> For one thing, I can't help but notice that Cloud of Daggers... Well, let's go into the basic spell shapes that a spell can have in 5th edition. <laughs> so, of course, you've got your normal line, your cone, your sphere. Those are all pretty standard. 
Now, this is one of the spells that involves using a cube, which is new. It on is me. a cube five feet on each side. Yes. Now the problem is, it says that the cube is centered on the point of casting, as opposed to being. This is the weirdest part of the whole cube thing for me: is the fact that it's centered on an edge of the face of one of the sides of the yes. cube. That's the most completely like. It's a, not the arbitrary... center of the geometric cube. Right. It's the center of one of the sides, so it's kind of just off on the side. As opposed to a sphere, which is centered on the center of the exactly. sphere. Which makes sense, because that's how spheres and explosions work. Yeah. I mean, A, I'm not sure why a spell would take the form of a naturalistic cube in the first place. That's It's magic, whatever. Magic can do whatever the fuck it wants. <laughs> it's just... It seems like a weird use case to me. Maybe that's because the last time I played D&D it was 4E and all of the circles were squares in the first place. That's fair. But I don't know when you would want to use a cube versus a sphere when you're writing a spell. It's baffling to me. Yeah. Now, of course, that leads us into the final spell shape, the most mysterious of all. Cylinder. Oh, God, the cylinder. So, of course, this comes up most importantly when we come to the spell Call Lightning. Oh, man, Call Lightning is one of those ones that... I think we had to read uh, two or three times before we ended up getting it. Its basic description is you summon a storm cloud in the shape of a cylinder. Uh, Which, on its own, I don't know if they mean it's just a storm cloud that looks a little bit like a cylinder, or if it's just a, a geometric like cil- cylinder-ass yeah. cylinder floating in the sky. <laughs> Which would be way more interesting, but I don't put that amount of faith in like Merle's, to be honest with you. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, for sure. The, um... I'm pretty sure that it is just supposed to be a cloud, and clouds are can be described in a cylinder shape, like if they're on their side. Theoretically. Now, the confusing thing to me is why we need to describe the shape of the cloud, being as it is a 60-foot cylinder, because that 60 feet has nothing to do with the actual spell as it works, because all it does is whenever... You have to basically take a turn every time you want to use the spell after you create the cloud, to point at somebody and hit them with lightning. Yeah. But that's got a 120-foot range on it, so that has nothing to do with the physical the size, size of, of the, the cloud. cloud. Yeah. And, of course, you can also cast this whenever your GM happens to state in passing that it's thundering outside. Yeah. Which is always great, because it leaves that decision entirely in the hands of the DM, who either doesn't think about that, in which case it doesn't matter, or they have to fucking plan around that. Exactly. I think we are losing our way a little bit here because we are trying to make a character not just talk about goofy rules of spells that's very true um you got any other ideas for us then let's see so i did have the idea of the either tentacle obsessed warlock or someone that really likes knives Mm -hmm. but that's that's just not being really ambitious enough that's fair that's fair that sounds like something you would play in an actual game in an actual game well or in the case of the second one someone that (laughs) someone would bring their character sheet and they're like i'm knife wizard the wizard of knives (laughs) i'd play that character now hold up don't judge knife wizard okay let me take that back knife wizard wizard of knives (laughs) Is, it's very good. It's also a great album title. <laughs> I want to turn around and point out the other type of person who would want to play Knife Wizard, Wizard of Knives, would be that kid who wears a trench coat to school every day <laughs> and is very <laughs> hardcore and deep and edgy. There's and two... I throw knives, but the knives are magic so that I can throw my knives forever. There's two... Also, that reminds me of another spell, really fast. Oh, boy. Okay. Now, the other spell that lends itself well to Knife Wizard, of course, being as he has the Wizard of Knives, (laughs) is the spell Conjure Volley, which is a 5th level spell. Now, the idea here is that you can throw or fire any kind of ranged weapon. Or actually, 
Now that I say that... It doesn't say ranged weapon. No, you can throw literally any weapon, which is very important. <laughs> it doesn't change anything with how the actual spell works, but it's a really nice visual of being able to throw literally anything as a weapon at these people. Because yes. what it does is it creates a huge pile of other versions of that weapon that fall out of the sky and land on them for 88 damage, I think. Yeah. Which, sure, it's a fighting spell. The problem is it needs you to make a ranged attack, which wizards historically aren't that great at. But I just love the idea of being able to throw, like... I mean, the best use case for this spell of all would be if there's anything on improvised weapons in this game. Okay. Because I know this is a thing in a couple of fan classes for 13th Age. There are a bunch of rules based around being able to pick up and use an enemy as a weapon. <laughs> Fuck. Oh my god. I don't think 5th edition has anything that in-depth... That's fair. Uh, that'd probably be a GM to GM basis if they'd allow you to conjure volley. Well, that's every single fucking ruling in 5th edition is the thing. That's fair. Because, that's... fucking Mike, ask your GM Merles. <laughs> I was looking at the unconsciousness rules in this earlier, looking for a cool interaction that I thought might exist. And when it was talking about what happens when a monster hits 0 HP, in the rules section, it said, unconsciousness... Most GMs rule that when a monster hits zero hit points, and I'm like, I want the fucking rules. Why are you bothering to tell me this if you won't give me a ruling in your role-playing game, you bastard? <laughs> anyway, Conjured Volley. I just um. love the idea of being able to pick up... Now, the absolute pinnacle of this would be, in some games... Honestly, this would happen in Pathfinder now that I think about it, because Pathfinder is a mess of rulings that contradict with each other. But... If you could grapple someone and then make a ranged attack against them using the halfling that you've grappled as the weapon to throw him at himself and then have a thousand halflings rain out of the sky and murder him. <laughs> and of oh, course they would man. all have his face, oh. but they're not real things. They're like <laughs> the whole no sort one. of quasi-real summoned thing, but... I just love the idea of an a huge pile of completely mute, emotionless halflings falling out of the sky and crushing himself. <laughs> I do I do like the idea of Conjure Volley for this knife wizard, Wizard of Knives. Right, uh, of course. Because, of course, he will carry as many knives on him as humanly possible. Oh, yeah, every kind of knife. Right. You got your fish-skinning knife, you got your deer-skinning knife, you got your throwing knife. You've got the Mexican Sacatripe, <laughs> useful for gutting sheep and other warm-blooded animals. <laughs> I'm so fucking mad that that video got taken down. Like, I know that the actual training video still exists, but the one that has the happy hardcore interlude in the middle of it is maybe my favorite video of all time. I think we've lost the plot a little we bit We have here. lost the plot just a tiny bit. Anyway, Here's Knife Wizard thing. is a nice character, but we can't make him because he's too Knife Wizard. Now, now hold on about that. Uh-huh. What if Knife Wizard was in, um, a circus? Hmm, that's an interesting he idea. He was a knife thrower. Right, of course. <laughs> See, now... This uh, leads us to the question of, could we make an entire troupe of characters that's just wizards who are also circus performers? Oh, we absolutely could. Alright, um, if I we don't... ever start doing bonus content for this channel, I'm gonna fucking roll up that entire party. I'm just gonna fucking put my flag down in here right now. <laughs> okay, you're, you're, you're staking your claim mm -hmm. on the circus troupe of bad wizards? Yes, exactly. Okay. And one of them will just be a rogue who pretends to be the wizard for the show. Oh, of course. That right. has he's the uh, the ringleader. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, no, the right he's word? the ringmaster. Ringleader's the right ringleader. Word. Okay, I haven't been to a circus. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. You are scared of most things. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, he should be the wizard in the show. Oh. 
All of the other ones pretend not to be wizards. Exactly. Like, because... you'd expect the rogue to be the knife thrower. Right. He's the only one oh, who has yeah. the union contract, though. Isn't oh, right? God. Sounds like a rogue. Right, exactly. <laughs> I, I think let's put a pin on this one for now. Sounds good. I do we'll come like, back to them later. I do like Knife Wizard. Um, now, here's, here's my favorite idea. Looking through about half of the spellbook, mm-hmm. I, I came up with... Yeah, like looking at your notes here, we're only going th- up through M, so this is probably going to be another episode. Yeah, oh, I think there's enough for a couple episodes of 5th edition. Mm-hmm. Just the base player handbook. Right, right. No, my favorite one that I found oh, is okay. a 6th level necromancy named Magic Jar. And there is about 5 or 6 paragraphs discussing it, so I'm just going to break down into like, you put your soul in a jar. Okay, yeah. Is it a magic jar, though? I, I don't believe the jar itself is supposed to be magical. Wait, what the fuck? The jar itself just has to be worth at least 500 GP. Which, incidentally, is a lot less money than some of the spells we've already talked it about. It really here. is. Like, don't get me started on the use of in-game currency as a balancing mechanic for your spells. Yeah, but... that'll be a tangent that'll take up the rest of the episode. Oh my god, I'm a fucking nightmare of a human being. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> no, so you... I believe you enchant the the jar okay if, so you make it a magic jar by you turn it into a magic jar but you just can use any jar as long as it's worth enough money so this this spell isn't called soul trap or anything like no that. no 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 so it's not trapping me, your soul it sounds to me so far at least because i haven't read this entire spell it sounds like the main purpose is to create a magic jar and the whole putting <laughs> a soul in it thing is secondary to making this jar magical oh absolutely right that course. is absolutely what happens Basically what happens is you take your soul out of your body and you put it in this jar that you have made magical. Mm-hmm. Uh, your body itself this falls into... This magic jar, you might say. Yes. <laughs> have we said magic jar enough on this podcast yet? <laughs> you activated my magic jar magic card. <laughs> it allows me to draw two more jars from my collection. <laughs> no, so your body falls into a catatonic state as you leave it right, of course. into this container. Mm-hmm. You see and experience senses as if you are inside of this container. Uh, Now that's... My question here is jars aren't typically known for their ability to sense or perceive external stimuli. Jars aren't, but your soul is. Is it? Apparently. Okay, anyway. (laughs) The only action you can take while you are inside of your magical container Mm -hmm. is to project your soul up to 100 feet out of the container. Mm, Either returning. Yeah, uh-huh. exactly like a starfish, you know. Uh-huh. Astrally projecting starfish. Right, exactly. <laughs> oh, sorry, wait, are we saying soul? I thought you said stomach. Anyway. <laughs> so you can project your soul up to 100 feet out of the container, either returning to your living body or attempting to possess another humanoid. Hmm, okay. And now here's the cool thing with this. Uh-huh. You can just jump between different people that you possess. Interesting. And this is where I came up with an idea for a character. Go on. You present your character as three level one mercenaries <laughs> lugging around a giant chest. Holy shit. And inside this giant chest uh-huh. is a small gnome or halfling mm-hmm. necromancer okay. who has put his body in a jar also inside this chest. <laughs> and if you ever need to get into combat, you just... Time out, time out, time out, time out. Okay. The important thing here is you don't need a jar inside this chest. The jar can be... You can make the chest the magic jar. Oh my god, you can! 
You can stuff your soul. Into it's an the... ornamental container worth at least five. Oh it, it my! It just has to be a very God. expensive chest. You can just have an expensive chest and have your soul and body reside in the same container. Exactly. And it's it's super padlocked. It's mm-hmm. like like if any of the it's parties behind like seven proxies. It's behind seven whole proxies. Right. No. It's inside of a bag of holding. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck! You could just possess your party's bag of holding. Oh. It has to be an ornamental bag of holding. Yeah, exactly. It has, like, some interesting mm-hmm. stickers on it. <laughs> I mean, the question here is what they mean by ornamental. Of course, the answer is ask your GM, obviously. Uh, yeah, you yeah. probably call up Wraith and ask him. Oh, man, that'd be... So here's the thing that's really cool about this idea. Uh-huh. You have these three, like, low-level mercenaries that are carrying around your bag of holding. Right, of Or course. your chest with your gnome body inside of. Uh-huh. Super locked, you... Of course, it's up to you if you want to tell your party that you are, in fact, just a shitty gnome right, that is possessing these poor mm-hmm. thralls, <laughs> as it were. Uh-huh. That's what they are. They're yeah. thralls. Yeah, basically. Um, I don't believe you can possess undead. It has to be a uh, living creature. A living creature. Okay. And they do... Your stats reflect your intelligence, wisdom, and charisma, but you have their strength, dex, whatever. Now, this was actually as I remember, a really big part of some stupid min-max shit you could do in a 3.5 in Pathfinder. Oh, really? Because the ability to possess literally any humanoid and take its physical characteristics is fucking ridiculous. Especially if you're already an insanely intelligent-slash-wise-slash-charismatic thing. Mm-hmm. Because then it's just like you... Yeah, guys, I rolled all these 18s, definitely. Let me into your Pathfinder game. Yeah. But you could do this in-game and have a two-headed ogre mage who also can cast eighth level spells <laughs> now a this is the best shit i've ever heard b so. the other thing here is looking back at a couple of the other spells that you have here this is this is fucked up but this is the easiest way to build a warlord in dungeons and dragons fifth edition oh my god it is because you can just possess an ogre or whatever the fuck and you still have all of your intelligence all of that you just can't wear any armor, which there's fucking mage armor, you can worry about that. <laughs> but you can then take that and become your party's tank with spells like, for instance, Compelled Duel. Exactly. <laughs> Other interesting things about Magic Jar. Mm-hmm. You have to make a charisma saving throw on the target, or the target has to make a charisma saving throw when you try to possess it. Uh-huh. And if you do inf- successfully possess your target, their soul goes into your container into the container. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. It's not two souls, one body. Right, of course. Two hearts, one mind. <laughs> it's, uh... <laughs> Isn't that the plot of Dragonheart? Probably. Wait, no, no, no. Dragonheart's the one where Sean Connery is a dragon. Never mind. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Interestingly, also the inspiration for the band Dragon Force, if you guys want to think back to middle school real Ooh, fast. I don't, but thank <laughs> you for the offer. I don't blame you. Um... Yeah, so you you end up having full control over the body that you possess, but you have to remain within 100 feet of your original body. That's baffling, but okay. Yes, or the container, I guess, which in our case, same potato-potato, but I believe that your body has to remain within a certain distance of the container. Okay, here's my question. Yes. Are there Warforged in 5th edition, or do they get rid of those two? I think they're in a supplemental product. They're not in the player handbook. My question... If you get somebody to decorate your warforged body, does that count as, as ornamental an ornamental container? container? That raises a lot of heady ethical and complex magical and <laughs> physical questions. The answer, of course, is ask your DM. But 
<laughs> is that the title for this first episode? Ask your DM. I feel like it probably should be. <laughs> I think I think even if that were the case, you wouldn't be possessing your body, so you'd just be a fucking limp ass. <laughs> Warforged body with your soul still inside it. Right, exactly. But if you br- oh wait, because the only way you can get this to end is to dispel it or to destroy yeah, the body or, or it, to destroy it, the jar, right? Yeah. So you'd it, have to destroy your shit to get back into your own shit, or have someone dispel the the magic, right? Or have a dispel and yeah. possess somebody to allow yourself to dis. Oh Jesus! See, the more complicated this gets, the more I don't think you should turn your own body into your container. Let's for your... not do that one. I <laughs> yeah. think let's not go that far in. I do really, really enjoy having three. Let's call them what they are: mm-hmm. slaves, right? Of course, <laughs> carrying around your body that you possess them at will to do your bidding for you. Maybe even right. maybe only one. Mm-hmm. Maybe you only have one thrall that way. Right. The other ones don't this be like... getting dangerously close to a character I played in the 13th age shit. game, actually. The very big problem with having multiple targets to possess mm-hmm. carrying you around is... They might just realize, this sucks. <laughs> they might, like... Two of the three of them might be like, I'm sick of this shit, mm-hmm. and leave. Right. Or attack your you. That's true. Your you or the bottle that you also are. Yeah, or, yeah, exactly. Now, there is one way around this. Okay. There's nothing saying that you can't do this to your other party members as well. Oh my fucking god. Now, that was part of the old optimization tricks, but also... (laughs) I love this idea. Yeah. I I love the, like, because our DM that I play with, He's really big into, like, the option of secrecy between the party. Right, right. And, like, so that you can have... Like, you, you give him notes or you text him or something. Mm-hmm. So you could just slide him a note being like, I'm gonna possess our druid. Shit. And then he would all of a sudden be like, Hey, make a charisma saving throw. <laughs> now, the other end of this is... I haven't read this entire rule book because that would fucking kill me. But... I believe there has to be a rule in here, or if not, it can be a ruling that, of course, your DM decides. But um, there was, in every single other edition, a rule where you could choose to fail a saving throw if you wanted to. That's true. So if you had anyone who you wanted to possess and was cool with that, you could just be them whenever. Yeah. And in addition to that, of course, there's the old 3.5 nugget, the absolute worst out-of-context sentence in the book unconscious creatures are considered willing. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> let's not go into how uh, morally dubious and awful that is. It's true. It was a neat way to cast sleep on someone and then fire them into the elemental plane of fire. <laughs> Listen, as much as I bag on 5th edition, 3.5 is a nightmare. Oh, man. I, I've i played a lot of 3.5. I, I, mean, I do well, yeah, enjoy but... 3.5 a lot, but it is convoluted i think is a good word to describe it i mean it was around for 10 years and also it is kind of the epitome of the issue i have with natural rules language where either someone makes a ruling and decides to put it in a source book somewhere down the line and you have to buy the fucking book of erotic fantasy or whatever the fuck <laughs> to find the ruling on how the specific wording works on unconscious creatures or it completely varies on a table to table basis in which case Whatever, unless you're playing in one of the organized RP groups that apparently still exists somewhere. I don't I don't understand how those have survived. Honestly, yeah. Like, 
it, I know it used to be a thing in way, way back in the Gygax Arneson times where, like, yeah, I just take my character from game to game and everyone's cool with it, and also they let me keep all of my magic items. Like, that's the fucking worst idea mm. I've ever heard, Ugh. but anyway. My coworkers do that, and I just... They they invited me a couple times, and I just kind of like, yeah, I'm good. But you could bring literally anything you want. Yeah. You no, could bring it, a dude with 618s and it, a plus 18 fuck sword. It feels like just a, a min-maxer's fucking wet dream, which oh, is... Oh, yeah, absolutely. Which I mean, is if, if, interesting. No tea, no shade. If that's what you like to play, I'm not going to judge you. But right, it's, yeah. I like playing goofy characters that are horribly optimized, so mm-hmm. I can roleplay fun. That's fair, yeah. I can get good fun roleplaying in. Yeah, that's why I always played Bards in 3rd edition, mm-hmm. because I knew that way I wouldn't min-max my character, because it was it's literally impossible. It's impossible, exactly. Remember the time that I tried to fucking prestige class into Duelist? That was the worst <laughs> idea I've ever fucking had. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, so I think I went into this knowing that this is the character I wanted to make for this episode. I right, can't lie. Here's a thought. Uh-huh. Would it be possible to merge uh-huh. Magical Jarnome with uh-huh. Knife Wizard into one character? That's an interesting idea, because, among other things, there's nothing more terrifying than getting charged by the party fighter, and then suddenly he stops, unbuckles his breastplate so he doesn't have the spellcasting penalty, and then throws 4,000 knives at you. (laughs) Maybe it would work better with the rogue, because also they only wear leather armor, but still. Oh my god. (laughs) The world's most impressive rogue is actually... Two different characters, time sharing a body. <laughs> I've got it. Okay, I do absolutely need to flesh out some of this though. Does the thrall that is carrying your gnome in this container, does he have just like a cool backpack with your gnome stuffed inside? Shit. Or do do we go with like you haul around a chest and it's like you can't know what's inside my chest? I kind of like the idea of it just being a wheelbarrow that they drag around. <laughs> Well, it has to be like uh, I don't want it to be a wheelbarrow. Okay. Because then you just you just see like this gnome body laying in there. <laughs> no, there's nothing. That's how you get them off guard, because they see that dead gnome and they're like, "Hey, why you got that fucking dead gnome with you?" And then you throw four thousand knives at them. <laughs> but then you have to deal with all the role playing implications of like wandering into a new town to be like, "I'm here to help the princess," and she's like, "Why the fuck do you have a wheelbarrow with a dead gnome?" That's a very good question, and there's one very obvious answer that I foresee here. Okay, please, please share. Now, there's a spell that we haven't gotten into because we're only in the first A through M part of this. Yeah. But of course, you can always polymorph your body. Oh my god. (laughs) How long does polymorph last? That's a good question. Up to one hour. Shit. Mm. Now, Unfortunate. we might have to dig and see if there's a permanent uh, duration polymorph in here somewhere, because I love the idea of just wandering around with, like, I don't know, a birdcage with an asleep bird in it. <laughs> it's just a bird laying on the ground, and everyone's like, is your, is your parrot okay? And you're like, it's just don't worry lethargic. about it. <laughs> He's sleepy today. <laughs> That's just your go-to response? No, we, got, we can't do this. We can't, because then we almost wind up in a Monty Python routine. <laughs> and if there's one thing I've fucking learned in role-playing, is don't get too close to letting someone do a Monty Python joke. <laughs> Alright, so we might return to the whole bag of holding idea, because that's probably the most convenient uh, way to do this. 
the only, although I do really the like... The only problem with that is convincing your GM, no, it's okay. Mm -hmm. My new character has a bag of holdings. <laughs> well, I mean, you do also have to cast the spell after you get it. So you can do the very D&D &D thing of appearing without any of your stuff set up, and then immediately wandering into town and casting two spells to play the character you actually want to play. <laughs> I don't know, I like the idea of the character just for, like, role-playing reasons, uh -huh. not inside of a bag of holding. That's I do fair. love how goofy that is, and that's very on-brand for the podcast that we're going for. Right, of course. But I think... I have a question. Okay. So it can be any kind of container, right? Any container that you spend container. 500 gold on. It said an ornate container worth at least 500 GP. Right, of course. That's all the description says. So, I mean, you could just buy a silk bag and then, like... <laughs> Wrap it around you. <laughs> Well, I mean, your body doesn't need to be in the container. Like, I know, I've gotten I know. so into that idea that I forgot about that. I just feel like it's the most efficient way to carry around this gnome body. I thought you were going to say the soul. Because... I mean, it's both. That's the idea. It's so efficient. It's free real estate. I... <laughs> yeah, no. You're not wrong. Or you could just cast it on your Thrall's coin purse and then have him... Have you in a... Is, is the coin purse itself worth 500 gp if you have 500 gp in your coin purse because i like the idea of playing like oh, this weird fucking accountant you're like you drop a gp and then all of a sudden your soul just leaves your body it leaves and enters your body and you wake up and you're like oh fuck oh fuck and you're just like scrounging around for coins everyone's like what the hell is going on that's a very very good point now also of course, the answer is ask your GM. Right, of course. <laughs> See, I'm just hyper fixated on a mental image that I just had. Okay. Like, obviously, I really like the idea of the coin purse, especially mm. if it's just, obviously, it's worth 500 gold if there's 500 gold in it. Like, don't be ridiculous. <laughs> but also, I like the idea, now I know this is somewhat ahistorical, but there's no historicity implicit in playing Dungeons & Dragons. So, imagine, if you will, a really burly ogre with a baby Bjorn with a gnome in it, with a very heavy pocket of gold, and then if you step to him, he throws 4,000 knives. Oh my god. I do really like this idea, and I think if we want to go into the just basic character generation for this guy, here's what I think we do. Yeah. We've got an NPC, mm -hmm. a hired NPC. Right. Uh, I think this character is going to have to be pretty high level this is a six level necromancy so fair, we're fair. assuming a high level probably 12th level if this still works like it used to i think so yeah. i believe it's about 12th level mm -hmm. i'm too lazy to go through and scroll and check fair. all the nuances right now if also this book is like 300 pages long so yeah fuck that. yeah uh if we fuck something up in this rough outlining uh we'll figure it out yeah and then, uh, if you do have any comments or questions, by the way, feel free to hit us up at our Twitter that we'll definitely read out at the end of this podcast. We'll definitely remember to do that, yep. because we have made that. It's definitely real. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm going to leave a big blank here so that we can just input that afterwards. Actually, no, I'm not. We'll just do it at no, the end. No, we'll just anyway. do it at the end. I'll, I'll make a mental note. Uh -huh. I don't have paper or anything in front of me. Is mental note a spell in this edition? It is. It is not. Yes. <laughs> not. It wasn't ever a good spell, as far as I remember, but I just love the idea of mental note just cast the spell and you will remember a thing so here's here's what i want to do we have a hired npc probably if we're 12th level probably only around like 9th or 10th level mm -hmm. 
just for I guess balance reasons, if nothing else. Also, it's. I mean, more... I also don't know how the hireling rules work in this because uh, that's always a fucking mess. Except that's... in second edition, where it's one of the few things that isn't a fucking mess. Oh no, that's really easy in second edition. Yeah, you get those um, automatically. You're I don't... a sixth level fighter. You get an entourage. For the sake of this episode, mm-hmm. that we can flesh out any inconsistencies in future that's, episodes. That's fair. We'll assume it's we're able to do it. Right. <laughs> I mean, if not, we can also just have one of the other party members carry us around. Exactly. Actually, um, now that I say that, what does I notice another spell in your list here? Clone do exactly. Clone? Clone is an 8th level necromancy, so even higher than what we're doing right now. Mm, fuck. But, uh, oh Jesus, there's like a million components... I didn't even read those. Oh, it's another fucking soul transfer thing. Yeah, you create a inner living duplicate or inner duplicate of a living creature mm. as a safeguard against death. You basically just make a weird fleshy mm-hmm. recreation of yourself out of magic. It takes 120 days to grow to full size and maturity. Now you said yourself, but that's it's not necessarily anything. true. It's any creature. It's anything you touch. Any any creature. So I choice. feel like this would be a good capstone ability, so that we can just make an extra copy of whatever we want. This of our thrall. We accidentally invented Pokemon for a second there. Fuck. Oh my god! You're just carrying around a bunch of tiny little duplicates of everything that you could ever want to turn into. Oh my god. Well, that's something to build towards, at least. Oh, yep. That's that's the end game goal. You also need to be incredibly rich. But you whatever. do. It's You need a diamond of at least 1,000 GP. And a vessel worth at least 2,000 GP with a sealable lid, large enough to hold a medium creature. Hmm. Now, I don't want to get into whether or not you could use the magic jar for this, because we're we're going to be here all day otherwise. No, we're not going to go into that. I mean, there's also the fact that money doesn't really matter unless your GM decides it does, because they're the one who controls the entire flow of cash out of the game, and there's not really, like, levels at which you're supposed to have this amount of money at any time. Exactly. Uh, sorry, I fucking promised I wouldn't do this. You wouldn't. Anyway. You promised. You, you made a promise. <laughs> Edit this um, out of me in the future. <laughs> One thing I learned, mm-hmm. or I, I was thinking about while we were talking about this, is I'm not sure if it's possible for a, any one class to learn both Magic Jar and Blade Barrier slash Cloud of Daggers well, because they're different types of magic. So that's what I'm checking right now. Let's take a look. Okay, also while researching this, I think my friend Chet here just discovered another fucking tentacle spell in this world. Mm, Evard's black tentacles. I'm telling you, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna make that'll be the bonus episode. We'll just dive deep into fetish play. That'll be the Christmas episode. <laughs> <laughs> so it looks like if we play a wizard here, just a normal like wizard ass wizard being a wizard. Yeah. He can be the knife wizard. Wizard can learn cloud of knives. Can definitely learn Magic Jar. It's the only class that can learn Magic Jar, which is good. Which um, is also kind of confusing. You think that would be a warlock? Right? It's a necromancy. I yeah, thought right. it. I, I definitely thought it would. I don't know. This is all kind of arbitrary. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember what level Blade Barrier was. Whatever. It's not the most important thing here. I well, like Blade Barrier so very much, though. That's true. Uh, it does not look like Wizard can learn Blade Barrier after doing research there's only one class that can and that class is cleric Mm. for some fucking reason right of course you know because clerics are all about bladed weapons Mm -hmm. oh my fucking god anyway oh well regardless you still have cloud of knives we you have 
you're a wizard, you have a good arsenal of goofy fucking spells like Chromatic Sphere. And also, wizard gets all the evocations, so they definitely also learn the spell that I've already fucking forgotten the name of that lets you throw 4,000 knives. Cloud, cloud of Daggers? Nope. Conjured Volley? Something like that? Conjured Volley, I think. Conjured Volley, I believe. Probably learns it. Fuck it. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, we're going to have to dig into the multi-classing rules, and fuck that. I'm checking right now. There's enough of... We're not... I don't want to flesh it out. I don't want to... We're already an hour into this recording. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sure it'll be a lot less once I come in and cut down all the bullshit we talk about. <laughs> Secretly, this is all actually going to be a solo podcast after I finish editing Fuck. it. I'm going to cut myself out entirely. I mean, you, even if even if we lose out on the magic volley and the uh, uh, blade barrier, mm-hmm. we still have many projectile-based things that we can base our goofy, goofy circus dead body yeah. <laughs> off of. We That's... do also appear to have most of the saver suck spells, which is always good enough yeah. as dragons. Yes. I mean, we have Melf's Acid Arrow. Yeah. So there's there's a lot to go for there. We have... what Do we want to say Gnome? That's the shortest race? Yeah, it's probably Gnome. A for the shortness. B, I'm pretty sure they get an intelligence boost. Yeah. Well, we want Charisma to be our highest. Because hmm. we need to beat Charisma saving throws to possess other people. That is a good point. Regardless, I think the idea of this Gnome in... I like the idea of a backpack. It's up to whatever we can get our hands on ask your dm ask your dm <laughs> on the back of just a half work mm-hmm. just a real beefy half work right uh this just got real shitty charisma for the sake of possessing him right now the fucked up thing is if it's not working for you you could also just hit him with charm person first oh shit Ah, oh, shit wizards can learn charm person charm person one of the most bullshit spells yeah, okay. Oh, we, we will come... Oh my god, it's first level? It's a first level spell. Oh, we will come back to that next episode. Oh, man. Anyway. Yeah, so, you've got Charm Person. I don't think I like the idea of having too many powerful combat spells. Mm-hmm. Just yeah, because, because the I don't... entire point of this is that you're trying to become a wizard who's also a melee fighter. Yeah. So what you do is you take all of the self-buff spells. How much into min-maxing is this getting, though, at this point? I don't know if this I like... is min-maxing yet, because casting spells that affect yourself isn't necessarily min-maxing. <laughs> I do like the idea of just going really deep into all the different, like, social interaction spells while Shit. you're possessing people. Because uh-huh. that way you can just, like, you're attacked by a group of orcs, you possess one of them, and then cast fear on the other ones to Shit. make them scared of each other. <laughs> like, fuck, dude. There's some cool shit you can do with that that I would like. Because that's, that's the ultimate part of this character, right? Is you are possessing more than just one person. You, you are, can possess you're a, anybody. You're a fucking body snatcher. <laughs> there's so much you could do with this. It's it's like there's so much role-playing potential with the ability to hop between them. Oh, completely. Um, if you base your entire character on magical jar. Right, exactly. Magic jar. Sorry. <laughs> magic jar. Magic jar. Magic jar is my favorite Pokemon <laughs> that evolves into Gyarados. <laughs> I think that's I think that's the character we're going with. We need a name for this gnome. Well, let's see here. What are some good gnome names? I'm trying my best to not just shout Wilfred Fizzlebang. Fuck you for <laughs> taking the thing that I was going to say out of my mouth. Now, the problem is that's already a character. We that is that. already a character. LTD Blizzard Entertainment. What if we just name him Melf? <laughs> 
I, I mean, at this point, I think we need two character names, right? Right, like, right. So, I'm going to say a last name. You say a first name for this gnome. Okay. Three, two, one. Burlesconi. Mizard Burlesconi. This is the worst name I've ever this heard. This is hor I wanted to go with Mizard the Wizard. <laughs> I take it back. That's the worst name I've ever heard. But no one will know it, because he's a dead body in a bag. <laughs> is this why he wants to take over other people's bodies? Is just because he hates being Mizard the Wizard? That's just his stage name. Oh. Ah, right, of course. <laughs> Fuck, I... Okay, that was... Uh, that... That didn't work. No, this never works for us. Why do we keep doing this? <laughs> what if the half-work is just named, like, Ricky? <laughs> All I or can think or of his is... name is, like, Kilgore. But when Mizard takes over his body, he's just like, I'm Ricky, hey, what's up? <laughs> I really, I'm really into the name Ricky because it reminds me of the old pro wrestler Ricky Steamboat. Fucking... <laughs> Oh, oh god, actually, now that I think about that See, this is one of the only characters Who could be a luchador who would not know His out-of-ring persona Oh my god, you're right Okay, we can't get in on this because that's going to be a different episode Yeah, no, we can't That's gonna be too easy It's, when we get it's out the too late book. into this recording For us to delve deep into the wrestling side of you <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you're doxing me like this <laughs> Anyway, so we've got Mizard the Wizard here yeah, I like Mizard the Wizard. We'll go with that. Okay. It's two Z's and Wizard. Right, exactly. Uh, Much like uh, Rincewind from all of the Discworld books. Yeah. yeah. Mizard the Wizard and his best friend Ricky. Mm -hmm. <laughs> his magically enforced best friend Ricky. Mm, I love it. I yep. love it so much. Perfect. I guess, I guess that's a wrap on this character. Uh, yeah, is I there anything so. else we want to delve into for this for this character? I think we've got him pretty well nailed down here at this point. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how deep into it we want to go for these episodes. This is very much like a. If you guys have suggestions, hit us up. Yeah, for sure. All right, and I think that'll do it for the first episode of the character generation. Yeah, I, I feel like it went pretty well so far. I guess we'll find I out. Will, <laughs> if it didn't go well, no one will hear this episode. That's very true. <laughs> And if you want to tell us how well this first episode went, you can always hit us up at thecharactergen at gmail.com. Or, or you could uh, hit us up on Twitter at thecharactergen. And if you want people to find you online, chat, where can they find you at? Uh, you can find me at twitter.com slash siromo. That's S-I-I-R-O-M-O. And of course, if you want to hit up our official Neopets pet page, you can go to neopets.com slash tilde sephiroth uchiha, all one word. <laughs> How much of this is a joke? Uh, on God's honor, I'm going to have that website up by the time this podcast oh, goes good. live. Oh, good. I'm glad. Okay. Anyway, I've been Moth. I've been Chet. And this has been The Character Generation. I am. I am wrong. I am sorry. sorry.